right, here's the next one that we're going to go into. This is uh, chapter five. Don't repeat the past. Right? right? So I, when I shared earlier, I always had a cycle that I did. And I never knew why I kept doing the cycle. You can kind of call the cycle like a generational curse sometimes. But I had this cycle that I was playing out from the legacy of my family and it just kept on happening and happening and happening. And so you want to know that if you start seeing things happen in your life over and over and over again, you want to be aware if those are godly seasons or if those are demonic cycles. And so some of it might just be like you're building a wall and then it's just like, yeah, that dude doesn't love Jesus. I'm not going to talk to him. Or it might be like, um, you know, you're like a swinging door. Then you keep dating or something like that. And why do I keep dating and then keep breaking up and dating and breaking up? I can never find the same dude. And so what you do is like this really helped me out. When you start looking at your life, you have to be very honest and you have to go. You have to tell yourself, why do I keep? dating the same kind of person and breaking up. Like, why do I keep meeting these girls? And then the Lord told me, it's not the girls, it's you. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? And because I, I never wanted to accept I might be the issue. But then he was letting me know, you have a lot of trauma in your past and you need to fix that stuff because now you're acting out your trauma and you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And you will keep attracting these people if you never get restored in wholeness for this stuff. And so I, I, had to, I had to take like, I was talking to Austin earlier, I had to take like seven years to figure that out because it was that much trauma. But if I ever shortcutted it, I wouldn't have you. And I probably wouldn't even be here. I probably would have been, in, I probably would have been a teacher in America because that's what I was going to college for. It was to be an English teacher. So that's probably what I would have done. If I shortcutted it, I would have um, cut out half of my destiny or a lot more of it. And so you want to look at um, if, you're, if you have any kind of cycle that you're looking at. And so even in your prayer time, if you notice that there's things that you're doing over and over and over again, you want to write those down and you want to ask the Lord, what do I replace this with? What is it inside of my life that keeps letting me get these cycles over and over and over again? All right, the next one is, when you, when you start noticing these cycles, these can become things that you talk to with about your friend. The next section, I'm going to talk about things you look for in a girl. So it's going to get fun there or, or a guy. But um, right now, I just want to clear this out. When you're, let's say you are dealing with a cycle and you don't know why. It could be isolation. It could be like, I'm not making friends. It could be anything. But when you're in a group of friends, that's what, those are some of the things you want to talk about in those Daniel relationships and those apostolic relationships. You want to tell them like, hey, um, I struggle with girls a lot and I like another girl. And then my friend will tell me, yeah, I could tell because you're looking like that again. And I was like, yeah, 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 I know. But um, I need you to keep me accountable because I just don't want to screw up with this again. So just let me know if I'm acting too stupid. And then he'll tell me, well, you're acting stupid. And then I'll say, okay, then I'll stop doing whatever it is. And then you do that because again, you're trying to get the, you're trying to get the best that God has for you, not the bare, the bare minimum that Satan's trying to lie to you about. And so you want to keep those, you want to keep those walls high and you want to be able to protect what the Lord has for you. Yeah. We have so many like different people that we walk with in the past and they just don't want to deal with this. Like it's like we keep giving them counsel and advice and then it seems like it's getting better, but then they keep falling back into it. 
there's just so many different stories of so many different people. Like it's not even just one person. And it's sad because when we, we've given them counsel, or other people have given them counsel, or friends have given them counsel, then they end up getting so hurt and so broken. Like some of them have gotten married to the person that we've advised them, probably this is not your time or he's not ready, she's not ready or whatever. And then we get like a phone call like, a couple of years later, a year into the marriage, like, I'm about to get a divorce. I don't know what to do. You were right. And we don't want to hear that we were right. You know, it's like, it's not like we want to celebrate the fact that someone's gonna, about to get a divorce. So that's why you really want to get this right right now. Because like, that, the only reason why we say it is because we've seen so many other situations and how broken these people are are now and even people that we're walking with right now from long distance are like they're yeah their marriage is still kind of going through the fire and it just yeah we're just trying to like almost protect you guys from like getting into these types of like yeah hurt and pain yeah like what we talked about in song of songs if you got a wall we want to stick angels on it if you got a swinging door we want to put cedar wood on it of the cross of jesus okay so now i'm going to get into um other things this is going to be what you can and can't live with in a relationship. So this is going to talk about when you, when you feel like it's time with the Holy Spirit and the fellowship that you have, that I'm, not, I'm in a season where if I pursued somebody, I can get married to them and have kids, and that's in the right place right now. That's going to happen. If it, if it happens, if it hasn't happened already. And so what you want to look at are here are minor perfect imperfections that they're not a big deal. They're not yellow flags. You might even just be whatever. And so when you look at these imperfections, you don't want this to be the category of how you choose people. And then I'm going to go through a category like a green of, of what you can look for. And then I'm going to go into a category of what you really don't want to deal with. And it's unbiblical for you to actually be going with someone like that. All right. So here are um, minor imperfections that you can live with. A relationship with God. I don't know why that's there. <laughs> maybe that was in another. Maybe that was in another thing. So the first one is um, ability to see where one is wrong. Actually, these are traits. I think it must have been copy and pasted in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, all right. Anyways, so here are some things you could live with. Right? These are things that you want to look at. So I'm just going to go at it like that. All right. So they have a relationship with God. That's good. They want to be able to have a relationship with the Lord. The next one is, if you look at their life, these are things you can live with, right? I think I copy and pasted the wrong thing. But it's, um, you want to find someone that has the ability to know that they're wrong. If someone can't admit they're wrong, they won't do that with you when you start dating. And then you start telling them, your socks smell, can you please take a shower? And they're like, my socks smell? What are you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they'll never admit to their own sin or they'll never admit to even their own physical, their physical things that they're dealing with. They also want to see, do they have the ability to be honest? Right? Are they lying? Are they manipulating? Or are they being honest? If they're being honest, that's good. Some of these traits, you might know a lot of people like that. Or you might go like, wow, I never knew anyone honest. And so let's go ahead. The ability to see the effects of the wrong on the other person. So they can actually see that when, they may, when there's a wrong or a sin, how it affects the people around them. When you start, if you get into a relationship with someone that's egotistical, they'll never see how their life and choices impact everyone else. 
you also want to look at this list and you want to see if you have them. So when I looked at this list before, I talked to God and I said, I don't have any of these, I don't have any of these traits. So how am I going to find a girl like this? And he said, you don't have any of these traits. That's why you can't see them in any, anyone else. Because you don't know what honesty looks like. You don't know what uh, owning your own wrongs look like. You don't know what any of this stuff look like. So when you see someone that has it, you're blind. And so I'll just go a couple of other things here. They, when they repent, they change and then they sustain it. It's not this, I'm sorry, then they go back. I'm sorry, then I go back. I'm sorry, then I go back. It's actually this place where when I've done a wrong, I apologize and then I repent and then I sustain it. So even our own lives, when we repent, if we have a history of not being consistent with our repentance, then we're not mature enough to be in a relationship because you have to be able to repent from God and actually stay in that place of repentance. All right, the next one is this. They have a system of growth. They're always growing. When you look at somebody and then you're like, they're just sitting around, not doing anything, just sleeping all day or, hey, what are you learning now? Absolutely nothing. That's not a good sign. You, you, you're actually very immature if you don't have a habit of growing. And so you don't want to marry someone that you have to constantly poke to grow. The, the, the other side of humility is growing. The other side of pride is being stagnant. That's one of the other sides of it. And so you want to make sure that you're with someone that's growing. And you will not be the solution to their problems. You'll be the enablement of it. So any problem that you see in a person, when you agree with them and you start dating them and going out with them, the only thing you're saying to them is, I agree with you. I agree with you not growing. I agree with you not repenting. I agree with you with not maturing. That's what you say when you date someone like that. You don't want to become someone else's mom in their relationship or someone else's dad in their relationship. Yeah, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go into that too. You don't want to be the caretaker. I was talking to someone um, here in the Philippines and I said... Um, I said, so why are you, um, are you dating someone? It's like, oh, I don't have any money. She's a girl. She's, she's a woman. And I said, why do you have to have money for you to date somebody? Well, it's like, well, all the guys I met, I have to pay for them. And I was like, why are you dating them then? So like, um, anyways, I talked to her, but she didn't listen. So, but that's the idea there too. She keeps enabling people to just not work and grow. But that could be a boy or girl situation. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to be the enabler. All right, now I'll talk about some good stuff. All right. Some of us, like what I did was I only wanted to marry a white girl, right? Because I'm Filipino. So when I'm Filipino, I'm like in America, I'm Filipino. So Filipinos are like this. When you think of a Filipino in America, what do you think about? Huh? No, they don't know anything about our country. And then, um, yeah, maybe, no, not even Facebook. When you think of a Filipino in America, you think of a nurse. When you're in America and you're Filipino, you think of lumpia. And then you think of, oh, I know some Filipinos. They're really nice. No one dates a really nice guy. No one dates a nurse sometimes. Well, now they might. 
But then when I was growing up, that's not the thing you do. I'm not, I'm not African-American. When you think of African-American, you think of NBA. You think of athletes. You think of sports. You think of, like, they're so physically fit. When you think of, like, uh, a Caucasian or something, a white person, you think of America, the home of the great. All of the commercials are white people. So when I thought, I thought when I die, my resurrected body was a white person because Jesus is white. The angels are white. The apostles are white. Everybody's white. And so when I was in America, then I also looked Mexican. So I'm not even Filipino. I have Mexicans come up to me talking to me in Spanish. And I'm all like, oh, I'm not, oh, me, me hablo no español. And they're all like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, amigo, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not Mexican. And they said, what are you? I'm Filipino. Half? No, I'm full Filipino. You're not full Filipino, you're Mexican. And then I'll go up to Filipinos, and then I'll say, hey, how you doing? And they're like, what are you? Are you mixed? No, I'm Filipino. You're Mexican. And I'm like, people in the Philippines still think I'm Mexican. Like, I talk to Filipinos here in Manila, and they say, are you Mexican? And I'm like, no, I'm not Mexican. And they said, oh, I go back to California a lot. I see a lot of Mexicans. Are you sure you're not Mexican a little bit? And I'm like, yeah, I got some Spanish, but kind of everyone does in the Philippines. And they're like, oh, okay, so you're really Mexican. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So anyways, I grow up. And then I'm thinking, I want to be what I'm not. I want to marry someone that I'm not. I want to marry someone as a, in my resurrected body who's white, right? So I limit all of my things to someone that's white. So I have all of these things where people are coming through, and I'm only looking for someone that's white. And what that does is it shoots you in the foot. Because that's not what the Holy Spirit said to get married on. You're not supposed to limit who you marry based on physical appearance. And then once I, once I opened that up, then the Lord showed me other things in life. I've never seen a Colombian before. You have attractions and chemistry and all that, and that's fine. But like he said, like you can't limit it to that. So. Yeah. so I'll go through it, right? Because I've never seen a Colombian. Like, I don't know what they look like. I don't know where they're at. She's not Mexican. I was like, so like, I was like, so is Mexico different from Colombia? And she's all like, yeah, they're way different. They're very different. And I was all like, oh, okay, but you guys speak Spanish, right? So you're like Latina or something or Hispanic? And she's like, no, it's not like that. I go to Colombia and then I'm like, man, the food's so different here. Where's all the tortilla? And she said, there's no tortillas and burritos in Colombia. And I'm like, but this is Latin America. And then she said, the only place where they have that kind of burrito is Mexico. And I was like, what are you talking about? There's no burritos in Colombia? So anyways, I'm going through this whole thing. But then we find ourselves, uh, besides prayer was the major thing. But here are the places where we found ourselves. Like she came from this background where she was hanging out with all the popular girls in school. Like the cheerleaders and the football squad and all that stuff. I'm hanging out with all the cholos and the people that just ditch school and break things and bounce in, into their homes and stone it and stuff like that. And so she hates cholos and I hate those varsity people. I'm all like, oh my gosh, just give me a strap. Like, I'm just like, let's just get this thing over with. And she's all like, oh my gosh, cholos, they're so like, ugh. 
So like we, that's how we initially see. She sees me dressed like a cholo. Yeah, I was dressed exact. I'll show you a picture, but it's just wild. And she's dressed like someone that. Well, you weren't dressed like a varsity girl, but she's dressed well. She she wasn't dressed like a cholita. That's for sure. So um, she was dressed. She was dressed way better than she was even now. She was like a single woman, and she would take like three hours adorning herself. So like, just imagine. Well, I'll show you some pictures. You'll see like, wow, her hair is so fluffy. So, um, anyways, here is what we looked at. Okay, the first one is you. If you are in this season where you could awaken to love, and you're wondering what am I supposed to look for besides obviously the Holy Spirit saying it in counsel, here are some things that can guide you. Number one is common interest. Just that simple, right? It doesn't have to be they're from Colombia or they're like I have an ex gang member past or whatever, because that was her dream. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Like, you just could have common interest. Or say, oh, I like music. Oh, I like hiking. Oh, I like going out and exploring things. Like Josh and Paola, they're always gone. Like, they love exploring. Like, they would, they would, I would see them dress up, and then they would look super nice and spiffy, and then they would get, before they got a car, and they would get on a bus for like four hours and come back at like 2 a.m. or something. And then I was like, Man, that is so tiring. Why would you do that? But they're having a blast. They're like Adventure 301. Like they love going out and doing random stuff and just meeting people and letting the Holy Spirit speak. Like that's the way they, they have that common interest, that adventure in their life. We have that too, but it's a, little, it's a little different. She had a little bit. Actually, it's a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. But we had, yeah, we had, um, we had interest. So we had interests that are the same. Uh, what are some interests we had? Um, outreach. All right. We met on setting up things together. Yeah, we loved setting up things together. When we met, we were setting up her outreach. So we, we were already making outreaches. So everywhere we went, we were already establishing missions together. And we worked so well together. I was like, man, I love working with you. Like, I was just like, this is crazy. I feel like I could run with you. I feel like I could run with you. I could dance with you. I could talk to you. I could do everything. <laughs> anyways, anyways, calm down, calm down. All right, so that, that helps. Interest. If you just have common interest, that's already a good thing. That's already a, a, a godly thing there. Like a common mark made when he heard about you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, uh, so that's actually, she, so she's talking about common values. So uh, both her and I, we really value purity and holiness and humility and leadership and integrity and all this stuff. And so even her leader, Mark, which is my leader now, she, he knew that Claudia would always be found in the lowest place when they were pioneering. The Oh, yeah, that one too. Yeah, so uh, that one too. I'll just go back to that. So with this one, she, if whenever, she was work, whenever they were doing something on base, she would always be found doing the thing that no one wanted to sign up for. And then she would always be serving and serving and serving. And so she knew her value was that kind of humility. And so he knew as a multi-generational guy that if she was going to find someone, they would have that same value for servitude too. And so that's another thing that you want to look for, too. Your values and your character, you will attract someone of that character. And so that's another good thing. If you see someone that has good character, 
If you see someone that, that's humble and they're living and they're running after Jesus like you are, if they're holy and they've given their lives and placed the boundaries and the walls of purity on their life and, and they have values and character of Jesus, that alone is a good thing. Like we're not even talking about physical attributes right now. We're just talking about they have good character. Here's the one thing too. This really helped me out in this book. It said... Um, it says that you will marry somebody's character. You won't marry their looks. Their looks will change over time. She looks different. I look different. Like we, we look different from the last six years. And so that will always be changing. But her character is what keeps me in the relationship. And so when you're, when you're looking at somebody, and then you might be in that place where you want to pursue them and it's the right time after DTS or whatever. You want to ask yourself, do I have the character and do they have the character? And if you both have the character, that's already thumbs up. That's a good thing. It doesn't have to get any more complicated than that. All right, the second one is the goals, which is the other thing that Claudia was mentioning, is we always had goals for missions. And so we love doing it. Like I love music, but it doesn't, it doesn't trump missions. So if I'm by myself in the middle of an island, I'll find some way to evangelize a tribe person. And then she would too. I'll find some way to figure out some kind of movement and then do something. And I just love doing that because we have the same goals in life. When I sat down with her, it was kind of like a little, a little check. But I was like, so what are some things you want to do in life? And she's like, well, I'm called missions. I know I'm going to be going to like the 1040 window and Asia and all this stuff. And those are the things I know I'm going to be doing in life. And then she tells me, and then I, she asked me, so what are some things that you're thinking about in life? And I was like, well, there's a couple of things. And I'm trying to see if we match the same goals. And I'm like, well, what I want to do is the Lord showed me this massive movement coming from Asia and piercing into the 1040 window. And it was going to come out of the Philippines. And there was going to be all of these fatherless and motherless kids that were going to be raised up and they were going to become royalty in God's kingdom. And there were going to be these arrows that shot in to the hardest and darkest places like the Middle East. And they were going to start seeing a revival and Jesus coming back. And, I, and the Lord showed me these seven seasons that were going to happen before he returns. And so my whole life is on these, this movement actually coming, coming to exist. And then I talked about orphans and I talked about raising up men and justice and all this stuff. And I was looking at her. I was like, well, she think I'm freaking weird. That's the one thing I was looking at. Because if she can't handle me talking about what I care about the most, we're not going to get along. Like she might be able to lead with me here and she might be able to do this stuff. But if she can't hang with what the way God called me in, then we're not, we're not going to ever get along. And then when I looked at her, I said, um, what do you think? And then she said, wow, that sounds great. And then I said, yeah, maybe we could do it together. We're not dating yet. I'm just trying to see if, what she's going to say. Like she didn't even like me, and I knew that. I just wanted to see if she flows with the objective. <laughs> and then she's all like, yeah, that sounds awesome. It'd be great to do more stuff together. And I was all like, yeah. Yeah, yeah it would. So, that's, <laughs> so that's, that's what I was thinking. Because you want to know somebody objectively more than emotionally. 
What happens is sometimes we get so inflamed with love, we just know their emotions, but we don't know their objective dynamic. But the objective dynamic is going to dictate where your time goes, where your money goes. Imagine, imagine you love spending money on um, working out or whatever. Like you want to get a gym. And then you marry someone that hates, that hates physical fitness. And then you're like, you're, now you get married. And then you're talking about we need to be physically fit. And she don't like none of that stuff. You're going to fight about your objectives most of your marriage then. Because where you're putting your objectives and your goals, that's where you put your time and money in relationships. So if they don't line up, they won't line up later. And you could see that in the beginning. It's not hard to see that stuff if, if you're staying objective. All right. Anyways, you got anything to add to that? So that's, those are, see how, see how kind of broad that is of people you could actually marry? It's not that, it's not so, it's not so narrow in a sense. If you think about someone that's godly, someone that loves the Lord, someone that has character, someone that has the same goals and interests as you, they might be someone that if the Lord in prayer and in counsel says you want to marry, that might be someone you could marry. So that's one thing too. Sometimes, let's say you're in that stage where you could get married, you might, you might be putting too many references up or something. So you have to be able to go like, okay, maybe they're not my Brad Pitt or something. Maybe they're not my Angelina Jolie like we were talking yesterday. But that doesn't even matter if they are or not. If they're godly, if they have character, if they pray, if your leaders and your brothers and sisters are all saying this thing looks like it might be from the Lord, then that might actually be a marriage. So don't try and nip it on the wrong things. We might, be so, we might have so many references on physical appearance, but we, have, we don't have that many references on the things that matter to God. And so when I did that, I found Claudia because that's, I didn't have any references to marry a Latin woman. In fact, I never really liked Latin women because they're so intense. Like if there's any people group that is super direct, it's Latin people, especially the women. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Filipinos are like the most indirect people on the planet, right? If I don't like your hair, I'll, I'll tell everybody else Wow, did you see those glasses on that head with that stuff next to the glasses? The hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you think that you like that. You don't like her, his hair? No. Do you not like it or do you? That's how Filipinos are. Like, they're just like, they're all around the bush. They don't talk about it. Latin people are just like, you better eat that burrito. Are you going to eat that burrito? Me and me, we were having dumplings one day. And I said, I don't want any more dumplings. Just keep it on your plate. And then she said, you need to eat dumplings. Like, you need to eat it because you didn't eat that much today. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to be fine. And then she runs over, takes the pot, and chucks it, like, uh, three feet into my plate. Like, all of the dumplings. And I'm all like, oh. And then she'll do that with everything. One time, we were at the laundry. And then... I was trying to say, I'm going to help you do the laundry. And she said, no, I'm going to do the laundry. And I said, I'm going to, I'll do it. And then I, she was coming next to me, next to the pot. And then I was about to pour the soap into the laundry. And then she blocks me and takes the soap from my hand and starts pouring it into the laundry. And I'm like, can you just let me do the laundry? And then she just walks off. 
And I'm all like, oh my gosh. But that's, that's the way. But if my preference was, will I marry someone direct or indirect? I would never marry Claudia. She is the most direct person I've ever met. Like when people see her, they think she's so cute and gentle and kind and nice. And she is. But man, if you step on that wrong cord, she's like, what you doing? And I'm all like, whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down. Like she'll straight look at me when I'm super ticked off and say like, you need to stop and get in the right spirit. And I'm all like, nah, 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 nah. and she's like, I'm not even going to talk to you right now. And then she just walks away. And I'm all like, I'm like this flaming ball when I'm, when I'm mad. I'm so mad when I'm mad. I, I tamed down a little bit. Tamed down a little bit. But then because of her, like she had to be able, you have to get a woman, if you're like me or anybody, you need to get a woman or a man that's strong enough to rebuke you. And then you need to be mad enough to receive it from your wife or your husband. That's how that, that's how that works. And so, but that was never, that was part of the, of the common values. That's part of the character. But if I went over all of the traits of Latin people and I'm naturally not like that and I just don't want to deal with that and I don't like saying things directly, which for a long time I didn't with you, then we wouldn't, we, I would never marry her. So I just want to open that door up too. Don't make it, don't even make your, your marriage cultural. It don't got to be cultural. Just make it godly. Make it kingdom. Like, who knows? There's so many people in the world. Seven billion people. God can pluck anybody and put them right in front of you. Like, if you're going to get married or something like that. Like, he could do it anywhere. But may, we just have to be able to maybe see what's in our hearts or be able to see other people's hearts as well. All right. Should we take a break or should we go on? It's uh, 11.23. You guys want to process or you want to keep going? All right, let's keep going, all right? So let's go for the long run. It's like, I like this topic. We're talking about my people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, now let's go, let's go for the things you can't stand, all right? So here are the things that I constantly try to pick out, but um, they're destructive. These are red flags. These are the things that when you see them, you got to run away from. The next thing you got to ask yourself is, do you have these red flags too? Once you get rid of these red flags in your life, you take the plank out of your life, then you'll be able to see other people clearly. But if you still have planks in your, in your life, you won't be able to see people. And so that's why I was blinded, is because I didn't, I didn't know what these red flags were. And it was so funny when I read this book, because I started going through the list, and I was like, how come I'm everybody in the red flags? Every single trait of these destructive traits I have. And then the Lord said, that's why you're on a consecration. And so um, let's go ahead and move forward a little bit. One of the things that are destructive, this is from Psalm 101, what we went over yesterday, all right? So if you ever want to refer back to it biblically, this is where they come from. This is where you can't see any imperfections in your life. That person can never think they ever done wrong. They can never own any issue they have, and they never think they have a problem. That's very destructive, that's actually a hardened heart. So if, if, you, if you're talking to somebody and then all they're talking about are your problems and they never talk about any problems that they're having with the Lord and even if you bring things up and they don't own it and they never own it, you never see them doing that, that's a red flag. 
There's, everybody's on some kind of journey with Jesus to perfection. Everybody's on some kind of journey where God's talking to them. It doesn't have to be like a crazy sin. It could just be I'm learning how to have more intimacy with God or something. There's something I'm working on. But if they can't own things that they're even maturing in, it's a red flag. So make sure you stay away from those type of things. All right. Here's the next one. They, they're, they're religious instead of spiritual. You might see this in church because obviously someone can't be religious if they're not in church. Religious is like they have all the words, but they don't have the life. They don't have the spirit of God upon them. They just recite scriptures. They might condemn you. They might just constantly lord it over you. Um, I've seen this a lot with women in Asia. There's, a, there's an Asian man that's Christian or something, but they act like the Pope. And then when they're talking to the Asian woman, they're always condemning them with scripture. I, I don't see it as much with Asian women towards men, but then you want to watch out if, if you're talking to someone that constantly has a condemning tone with scripture, because th that's the tip of the iceberg. When you get married to them, they're going to be like a Pharisee and you're not going to like it. He, Jesus called uh, religious people whitewashed tomes. It's really bad. Yeah, it's bad. They're not good. All right, the next one is, that's a red flag, is defensive instead of open to feedback. If, if whenever you talk to someone, they start doing karate chops, and they're all like, they're like, hey, did you ever think maybe you should read the Bible more? Who you think you are talking to me about the Bible? You're like, whoa, 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 calm down. Or like, hey, maybe we shouldn't stay up so late. What you thinking about, fool? Like, what are you doing? Like, they just start getting so defensive. Defensiveness is a red flag. If someone is defensive all the time, it's a red flag. You don't want to be around that any deeper. All right, the next one is uh, self-righteous instead of humble. That's kind of a little bit like religious in spirit. But that's where um, they're not serving, but they're just spiritual leaders and things like that. I'll go to the next one. Apologizes, but never changes. It's like, I'm sorry, right? So if, she, if someone keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you never see a growth in their life, that's a red flag. That means they're not taking the repentance of God seriously. You, that's why I always even train people that I raise up. You can't go off by somebody's words. You have to go off by their actions. Because if someone says sorry, but they never change, they're not going to change. So that's why you really have to look for the actions, especially if you're dating someone. Let's say they're always, yeah, being, being late is like one thing. It's more like a sin. It's like they have a sin in their life and they're not getting rid of it. Like they watch porn or something. And then they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I watch porn again. Oh, I'm sorry, I watch porn again. Oh, I'm sorry, I watch porn again. And then now they're cheating on you or something. You can't date someone that can't own their own stuff. All right, the next one is this. Someone that always demands that you trust them, but they never proved that they're trustworthy. Like, you have to trust me. You have to commit to me. You have to see me this way. But you don't have, you never proved yourself over a period of time in integrity. That's a, that's a big one too. You want to be able to, like, if I looked at Claudia and I saw her reputation, I can see a consistency of integrity. So it's not like she's trying to tell me, Tommy, you have to trust me. Like, you have to trust me someday. And then she's always hanging out with a bunch of dudes. I could look at her life 
And the sum, if I added up all of her actions, it would equal integrity. Because over a long, consistent period of time, she's trustworthy. That's the biggest thing. When you're dealing with someone that may be a liar or something like that, you don't go by what they say. You go by their history. Do you have a history where this is dealt with? Because if I'm going to give you, let you in to the garden of my heart, I'm not going to let you come in with that kind of history. You have to have that thing dealt with. If you don't have it in your history already, I don't want to be the one working it out with you. It could be anything. It could be pornography. It could be cheating on someone. It could be like promiscuity. It could be whatever it is. Laziness. If you don't have a history of it, don't try and tell someone you have it. Be honest with yourself and say, I'm working on this stuff and maybe it's not the right time for me to be going out. But just be honest with it. Because let's say you do get over it in a year. Then it shows what you said you would do, you did. And that's really important. It shows a lot to somebody when you do that. Yeah. And that's why reputation is a big deal because the people that are walking with you, that know you, your friends, they've watched you walk. So sometimes like it's not necessarily that we don't want certain people together. It's just like we've walked with people and we know where they're at spiritually. We know where they're at in their season. So that's why you, you always want to ask people around like how like about that other person because they, they may know that they're ready or not ready because they watch them for a specific time of period or period time. Yeah, and then if it's multi-generational, they have different angles. When a grandpa looks at grandkids, they see something completely different than when I look at a baby. They see life, they've seen growth, they've seen changes, they've been through all of those things as a father. And so when they look at us, they have a completely different perspective. And that's why you want that wisdom in your life. Because you don't have to be the wisest guy on the planet. You just have to be around one of them. And so that's why you want to have that. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and move to number 11. Is, um, well, addiction is one of them. I'll go with duplicious. Duplicious means they're two-faced. When, you go, when they're around somebody else, they're somebody. When they're around another person, they're another person. That's very dangerous. That means that they're two-faced with you. So if you see someone two-faced with somebody else, they're going to be two-faced with you. I always have this rule of thumb. Whenever I see someone interacting with each other, I look at them. And then however they treat that person is how they'll treat me when we get closer. So if they're lying to that person, they're going to lie to me. If they're not teachable with that person, they're not going to be teachable with me. If they're not doing this with that thing, then they're not going to do that to me. Because they may be able to put up a face for a while, but they won't be able to put it up forever. But you could see it really fast just by how they treat other people. And so you want to use that as discernment. When you're around people, because even with Claudia, I was like, well, is she just serving around me or is she serving around everywhere else? But if she multi-generationally, everybody's saying the same thing about Claudia, it really means who she is and who she is. What you are with somebody is who you are with somebody else. You have integrity. You're whole. That's what it means. You're not filling up the voids with it. All right. Let's go to another thing about how people relate to one another uh, closely. Another one is they can't get close to anybody. So they're always distant. You, you never see them with a multiple people of the same gender, multiple people in a fellowship, and they're able to have intimacy with other people in a healthy way. 
They're always isolated. They have some walls up. The second they start talking to someone, they're all by themselves. Those are things that you want to look out for because it shows that they don't know how intimacy works. And so you want to learn that. You want to be able to grow in that. Um, the next one is, um, these are things that people have, like I do. You, it's fine if you have been working with them with Jesus. You just have to get over it. But you don't want to be in a relationship while you're dealing with it. Because these are sins that are destructive. Yeah. They'll destroy you. It's destroying them. And then once you put two to two together, it's not two. It's multiplication. So it'll only magnify everything that's happening in their life already. And sometimes you, for example, for the boys, you may meet a girl who has no uh, sisters in her life, like spiritual sisters. So she has a bunch of guy friends, but then she doesn't have like sisters, you know, like that she processes things with, that she prays with, like friends, you know, godly friends. And she just hanging out with boys. Or, for example, the girls may meet a guy that's always with girls and doesn't really have, like, brothers in his life to sharpen them. So that's another way of yeah. looking at it, too. That's, uh, that's really good. So one of the ways that you look at it, too, is um, when I was coming out of a gang, I hung out with a lot of girls because I didn't like myself. So I tried to hang out with people that weren't like me. Because in my head, I had a false masculinity. It wasn't solid yet. So when I would see guys hanging out together, I would think they're stupid. Because that's what I was saying over myself. So I would hang out with a bunch of girls because I think they're smarter. And they're not always getting into trouble and stuff like that. But then if you looked at me, I didn't really have any solid brothers. And that was actually a void in my life I was filling up because my identity wasn't there. And so you want to also watch out for that too. And then I also had friends that told me, I think you're hanging out with too many girls. Even though I wasn't dating them, they were like, I think you need some, some men around your life. And then when I would kick it with guys, I feel like I have nothing to contribute. I just feel like I'm the dude there and they're all kind of doing their thing and I'm not really hanging out with them kind of deal. But then that also shows a lack of identity for me and, and, and manliness. All right, the next one is, um, you got to be careful for this. I also watched this with Claudia. I looked if she was going to flatter me. Because if somebody flatters you, flatters you, they're lying to you. Flattery is different from prophecy or encouragement. Encouragement is like, you're a great leader. Like, that's awesome what you're doing. I really appreciate that. I think that's going to happen. You're gonna, God's going to do amazing things with you, stuff like that. Flattery is like, oh my gosh. You're, honestly, Jesus must be in the room every time that you talk. Like, whenever you talk, Jesus has come down from heaven. Like, it's just, it's like flattery. It's, it's a lie already. It's too much. For someone with a low ego, like, let's say, for specifically for men, right? Men like people with ego. They like their ego. That's what men like. So, someone with a weak ego, when a woman flatters them, they'll feel good about it. They'll be like, oh, thank you so much. Yes, Jesus does walk in the room. <laughs> and then they like it. But let's say you're a leader, right? People try and flatter you when they try and flirt with you. So if I had girls that came up to me and flirted with me and flattered me, I knew that they were bad. It was bad news. Because if they're flattering to me, that means they're lying to me. Because I ain't that good. I mean, I'm good, but I'm not like what you're talking about. So I would always watch Claudia when we're leading if she would ever embellish a flattery towards me. 
And if, you're, if you see a relationship, if you're around somebody where they're flattering you, that's a red flag. That's not healthy. I know it sounds like it's not that big of a deal, but what that turns into later is they just can't tell you the truth. And then they're lying and exaggerating and all this other stuff is happening. So you want to make sure that that's not there too. All right, I'm going to go forward a little bit more, but I'm going to, I'm going to just do one more, then I'm going to skip into the rescue and caretaking roles. But um, the next one that I want to do is they're always trying to one-up you, where it's like you're, you're, you're always in this kind of competition, like one's the parent and one's not the parent or something like that. You're always trying to one-up each other. That's a really bad sign too. It shows a lack of humility and a lack of understanding relationship. All right, let me just go to the next one. This is the rescuee or the caretaker. So this is very common in the world right now because we have so many brokenness in family. All right, this is one, this, these are examples of what it looks like. The, the man who has been wounded by so many women that now you might be the woman that doesn't wound him. That's bad. If, you always, if you're dating someone and you feel like women have always broken my heart, I'm just praying for one woman that won't. I'm getting so good at saying goodbye. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's a caretaker role. That you're going to become someone's God to them. It could, you could flip it too. I've had so many guys that's broken my heart. I'm just looking for one guy that's going to be a good guy. That's bad. That's, there's something that needs to be fixed by Jesus there. Um, again, I, I read through this whole thing and I probably dealt with all of it. The woman who believes that her love can repair the hurt man. That one you really got to watch out for, especially if you have a gift of compassion, both ways, for a husband or a, for a male or a female. When you have a gift of compassion, it's not a gift of enablement. It doesn't mean feed the poor. That doesn't mean don't do all that stuff. But it means that you still let somebody deal with the consequences of their actions, even if it hurts. And so that's fine. But what happens is if that gift of compassion isn't really stewarded well, then you end up trying to become the repair person. That's really dangerous. Because now everything you do is codependent. Everything you do is repairing you. Everything is trying to fix you up. And you're gonna, what, this is what happens. One day, they grow up. If, you, if you're always enabling them, one day they're gonna grow up and they're gonna leave the house. Because they weren't looking for a spouse, they were looking for a mommy or a daddy. And you don't wanna do that. I mean, I've, I've done that stuff too. It's, it's, you're not in a good position. So just watch out. If you turn into somebody's mommy or daddy, that's a red flag. Just go ahead and back out and just go like, that. this is not what I'm trying to do. It's, um, yeah, there was this girl I was talking to like last year when I went to California and she was just, uh, I kind of known her since high school and she wanted to like catch up after like 10 years and I was like, sure. And then we went out and then she told me about this guy that she's kind of dating and then she was just like, yeah, he just really never like got in a car because in America, like you kind of need a car to get around, especially in some places. But she's like, he's never gotten this, he's never gotten this, he's never gotten a bank account, he's never gotten this. And she's like, but I've been really helping him. I've been, I helped him get a loan for his car. I helped him get a bank account. I helped him get a job. I helped him get this. And I'm like, okay, so this guy's like not a man. He's still a boy. He's pretty much like mothering him. And she was like, no, 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 it's not like that. And she just like, 
it's just been so like destructive since then too so you really want to watch out like you you need to allow the other person to become a woman or a man you can try to pursue someone or date someone when they're still when they still haven't um gone from milk to salt like to solid food yeah that's really good again it goes both ways here's here's another one that she was talking about um you don't want to marry someone or date someone that doesn't have their finances or career together. For us, that's like missions, right? I mean, if you're going to be a full-time missionary, you want to be able to know where your path is. If you're figuring it out, figure it out. And then just let yourself figure it out. That, that one, you just got to commit to certain things, right? You get, it doesn't mean you got to be like overflowing and like, you know, moolah and have a bunch of money and all that stuff. It just means like, yeah, I got a plan for my money. I know what to do with it. It doesn't control me. I, I'm working on my career. I know where I'm going in life. And this is where the Lord has brought me. You want to get those things down in singlehood. Doesn't mean you got to be balling. It just means like, okay, I know I have a plan for that. And you could always talk to leaders and people about that kind of stuff. But when you, what happens is when people are like wet cement and they're too young, spiritually or physically, they don't know what they're doing with their money and they don't know what they're doing with their career. For missions, it could look like they don't know where they're going to stay or commit or if they're going to go here or go that or do this. They're still trying to figure it out because even long-term missionaries, you know where you're going to stay put or you know what you're going to do. You know you're going to do these things. But a missionary isn't someone that just keeps bouncing everywhere on the planet. At one point, they're going to stick to a community and a family. That's also the same thing with a job. You don't want to get a, someone that keeps shifting their job all day because they don't know their career path. You want to have that. They could be a doctor. They could be a missionary. They could be a scientist. They could be whatever the Lord's called them to. But if they don't have that stuff in at least solid ground, you're going to merge your wet cement with their wet cement. And then you guys will go in circles forever. I've been in those relationships and they don't end well. You end up changing your life plan every single three months. And then before it was a mess when you're single, now it's a mess when you're dating someone. Because now it's like you guys are so confused on what your calling is. And so the better way of doing that is just take a step back and then just figure out what it is, just commit to it, and then ask the Lord for the conviction, and then just go ahead and do it. And that goes both for men and women because um, like, yeah, the guy's called to be the provider and all that, but as as women, we're still supposed to like prepare ourselves for like marriage, physically, spiritually, mentally, financially, like everything, like Proverbs thirty one. So you still want to prepare yourself. So it's not it's not just for the for the males. Yeah, and another thing too, you have to really watch in this generation. We always feel like we're gonna miss it, so we're always bouncing around. But then the truth of God is. Wherever he plants you, you can grow in. So if you're in this law firm and you don't like it, you plant yourself there, and then you just let God grow you as you commit and as you serve and as you do what the Lord's calling you to do. If you're a teacher, but you're not in the right place or the right country even, you just keep committing and you allow the Lord to promote you. But if you try and self-promote yourself, you never end up growing roots. And so that's the part that you want to be dating someone that has a root system already. Because if you're always planting them or they're always planting themselves, they're also going to have a, like that when you're in your relationship. 
Yeah, there's a lot of times that even for girls, this is very easy for us to fall into. It's all, or even for the guys sometimes too. It's if I could just get married, then the guy will take care of my finances. He'll take care of this. He'll take care of that. And then you don't step into what the Lord has for you because you keep waiting for someone to marry you so they can take care of you and provide for you. When in reality, you need to get that straight with God first and then he will bring your husband in. But we, I mean, I mean, I've, I met so many girls that have said like, oh, I'm so called to missions. I'm so called to go. I'm so called to do this. I'm so called to that. And then they're like, but I'm just going to wait for my husband to come first. Oh, because I don't think I can do it by myself. I don't think I can finance. Like I don't think I can financially I'll stand on my own. I don't think I can do this. I don't. So it's like you're you're pretty much not trusting God, and you're putting your trust in whoever your future spouse is. So you marry for the wrong reason. So you don't want to do that. Yeah, and again, you don't got to be like balling in money, but you wanna you wanna know how to at least control money. And have a plan and a relationship and be able to use the money for the kingdom. All right, so the next one is, um, is what she was saying. The man, you could also call it the woman, who thinks he or she can get her on their feet. That You don't want to marry someone or date someone that thinks they're going to get you on their feet. And you also don't want to have that mentality as well. Who's going to get you on your feet is God. And then you'll never get on your feet if you think the person you date will. And you can go through girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, thinking that they're going to get you on your feet, but then they never do. And so that's because that, that's not their role. They're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. And I, for girls, too, we want to be careful. I and mean, even the guys, like you, like a lot of women, like we're super compassionate because we're called to be mothers to the nation, so our children. So we always want to take care of people. Like I'm always thinking of taking care of other people. So, but you wanna have a boundary when, when you're not like, um, how do I say it? Like, you're not always like in a sense giving the other person something like, oh, he needs a sweater. Oh, let me give you a sweater. Oh, you're cold. Oh, here, I'll give you a blanket. Oh, you need medicine. Let me give you your medicine. Like to one person, it's not like, you can do it to everyone, that's fine. But when you're kind of like um, always providing for that person, and not like yeah like one person and not allowing that person to grow up as a man or for the guy for the woman to grow up as a woman did that make sense yeah you don't want we, we've seen that a lot and then the other person starts liking you just because you're providing for them so much and it's not really because god is moving god is speaking like it's none of that it's just because you're like giving them so much stuff yeah that's good um you can create a soul tie like that if you know you're struggling with something, like let's say money, and then someone gives you money, and they're a girl you like, or something's going on there or something, you gotta watch out for that. Because your heart will be extra sensitive. If you're really struggling with it, and then this person gives you money, but you know at the expense it might be like you're gonna fall or you're gonna sin or something like that, you just have to reject it almost sometimes. If it's better for you to feel the pain of growing up than to allow someone to create a codependency or a soul tie when you're trying to, and you, ne and you never grow out of it. That's the, one, that's the one thing about maturity, is that you have to feel pain to mature. It just happens. The more you get used to the pain, the more you'll be able to just mature. And there's a pain, right? It says in the Bible, when you can't eat, the hunger is a gift. 
because it will make you work. And so, but sometimes what we do is, I'm not talking about feeding the poor, I'm talking about growing up, is that when you, when someone, when you have a, a lack of something and then you feel the pain of hunger and then someone roll takes or mommies you, you never get to feel, I need to get out of, I need to fix this thing. The pain will actually make you want to fix it. And that's why we grumble in our stomach. That's why we feel the weight of responsibility is because we're supposed to grow up and overcome them. That's how that thing works. Yeah, and you don't want to be the person that will make someone else feel bad for you so that they pursue you. Like, for example, like if I'm like, oh, I just really don't have money. Like, I'm just from Colombia. I don't know how to fundraise money or I don't know how to do this or... I'm really bad at this. Like the other person is kind of feeling so bad for you and they start just liking you because they feel bad for you. And then you're like brainwashing them. Does that make, like, I, I think I've done that in the past, honestly. So not like to that extreme, no, but when you start like saying things to make the other person feel bad for you, or you just start saying things that you know they want to hear because you kind of know their hearts and then, yeah. Yeah. The solution comes from the pain. You got to just deal with the pain and then I think it will make, make us all grow up. You want to be real and have people pray for you and walk in this, but there's a difference when you're trying to purposely brainwash someone too. Yeah, yeah you don't want to brainwash because that's manipulation. That's witchcraft at that point. So another way would be saying it like, I don't got no money. I'm working on it. That's what you, then you have a plan and you're working on it. That's how you would deal with it. But then you wouldn't go, like, I ain't got no money. Oh my gosh, I'm so broke. How's your hamburger? Like, you don't, like, you don't try and manipulate her into that. You just, you just call it like it is, and it's like, I got some financial issues. I need to settle that thing. Like, when, when Tom and I got together, he didn't have a lot of money. Like, he was, like, a missionary, and he was, like, barely learning how to, like, fundraise and all that. But he had a plan for it. So it was different. Like he wasn't trying to like make me feel bad. And like also like I wasn't financially stable. I was, I just became a missionary. Like my mom was paying for a lot of my missionary stuff, but I had a plan. Like I was throwing my own fundraising banquets. Like I was really trying to, to grow in what I knew the Lord called me to do. So it's not that you don't have money so you can't like pursue someone, but it's, it's, are you trying to grow in that area? Yeah, you have to look at the budding virtue of your, uh, budding virtues are fine. If you're growing onto something, that counts as I got a plan. You don't have to be in the fullness of something sometimes. You just have to have the budding virtue of it. And because everyone's growing when they're young, you know what I mean? With the Lord, everyone's trying to learn something. Okay, I'm going to go to, I'm going to skip ahead. You can go ahead and read this book and do a couple other things. I'm going to go to the last one because I think this is important and it happens a lot. This one's called Don't Get Kidnapped. Um, how many of you have ever had friends and then they disappear when a girlfriend comes into the picture? Right? That's like, that's like, like me with, um, with some of my girlfriends. One of my friends confronted me and he's not even saved. He just said, um, oh yeah, you broke up with, I, like I, I hang out with him whenever I'm single. We play video games. It was before I was really consecrated. And then, um, I, then I disappear. And then I show up at his house again like eight months or a year later. And he says, what happened? Did you break up? And I said, uh, yeah, how did you know? And he said, because you never hang out with me unless you break up now. 
And I was all like, oh, that sucks. And then I, then guess what I did? I got another girlfriend, I ditched him again. So it's like, cause you just, I didn't know what was going on in my life. But then this is what you have to find. If you find yourself or even your friend or you're in this place where love always kidnaps you or, or false love kidnaps you. These are the things, or even if you have friends and you wanna counsel them, this is how you wanna be able to work at it. Cause this happens a lot, especially in this generation. All right, the next one is you wanna have a support system. So for you to not get kidnapped, you have to have friends around you already. And so what those friends will do is that you already make an agreement for you to be able to speak truth to each other. And so that might hurt sometimes, but it's good because who wants to get kidnapped, right? Getting kidnapped sucks. So then when you, so you're, they'll be able to tell you and you'll be able to tell them, hey, I really like this girl. I think I'm going to hang out with them for a week at the mall and at the beach or something. And they're like, wait, 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 when did you meet this girl? And it's like, well, I just met her yesterday. And I'm like, yesterday, that's so fast. And you're gonna like go already take a vacation? And we're like, yeah, 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 but no, you don't get it. We do this, she's like that, we're like this, they like this, and they even like 101 Dalmatians and all this stuff. And they like all my favorite movies and they like all of these different things that we do. And they're Lord of the Rings fans. And you're like, wait, hold on. How long did you know this person? Like a week. That, then you, that person will tell you, I think you need to slow down. Like, I, it's cool that you guys like the same movies. It's cool that you guys like the same food. You like the same beach. That's awesome. But why don't you just put the brakes on it and slow down a little bit? And then you start talking and you're like, well, what if I hang out with her for half a week? And so what about you kick it with her with us first? And then we get to all hang out together. And it's like, oh, well, that's fun. And then you just, then you do that. But that's one of the ways you put the boundary for you not to get kidnapped is that you already have friends that you have a deep relationship with. So if one of you get kidnapped, your friends will tell you. And then that's what the body of God is for. That's what the church is for. Because church is where the body of God is. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday. All right, so the, the, these support systems, actually a lot of this I already talked about, but they'll be able to give you courage when you feel weak. So some of us, we're developing integrity or you might be developing discipline. And then so you, some of us, we might want to be like taking a break and I just want to take a break and not think of anything. I just want to go on a Sabbath and just be a lazy bum. And then so, but your friend could say something like, no, no, no. Remember, God's creating a perfect work in you. And this is good stuff. And you're already more disciplined than you've ever been. And just don't try and take a break from God. Just keep going. But your friend and your support system will give you strength when you're too emotional to make a right decision. And that's a good thing. Because again, you're trying to keep on the narrow road. You're trying to keep with your first love. You're dealing with all of this warfare and you're growing up and you have a lot of emotions. And your friends, if you have a, a couple of them, like a multitude of them, they'll know you yesterday, they'll know you three months ago, they'll know you three years ago, they'll know who you are right now, and they'll help you keep reality in your life. And so that's one thing you really wanna develop as a single person is a strong friendship with multiple people. And you have trust and you're able to talk to each other. All right, so don't even, it says here, and it's, it's a thing that I live by, don't even start thinking about getting into a relationship if these relationships don't exist first. If you don't have a strong brotherhood and sisterhood, 
Because you should be able to have friends with the opposite sex and be okay with that. Every, there's another section in the book. It talks about romanticizing friendships. Every time you get into a friendship with a girl or the opposite sex, it turns romantic. And then when that happens, you're never able to develop a real friendship. And one of the ways that looks is that you kick friends out. If you romanticize friends that aren't going to be your married couple or whatever, you start kicking out all of the other friends. But then here's what also happens. You can't be friends without the romantic relationship. So it turns out to be something like this. I meet you for a week. I fall in love with you. We're just friends. But then I'm romanticizing it now. And then we have to have a conversation like three weeks into it. Hey, like, do you love me? What? Like, what? I just met you. It's like, yeah, but look, I have so much passion for you that unless you fall in love with me, I don't think we can be friends. That's like super unhealthy. Like, you'll never have a good marriage like that because that will fade away in like three months. That's like honeymoon stuff. But that's not character. That's emotion. But then if you're, if you're friends... And then let's say you do have some chemistry and then she goes and says, look, I don't like you. I think you're awesome. I think you're a great guy. I think you're also good looking, but I just don't like you. You should still be able to be friends. That's how that, that's how that looks. And you might get a little butthurt and go like, oh man. But then it's like, all right then. So what are you going to do? And it's like, well, I'm going to hang out with everyone else. And I'm like, all right, well, let's go hang out and stuff. It should be like normal. If it's, if it's romanticized too much, you can't even be friends anymore. That's where it gets already cross, crisscrossed and stuff like that. No, it's okay. All right. So let's go to the next one. And then maybe we'll do one or two more. Then we'll allow you guys to talk to each other for a second. All right. Let's go into... Um, all right, this one's good. All right. So when you're, when you're getting kidnapped, right? What I was talking about with hobbies and having a full life is that you should have things you do, even in your community and your friendships and stuff that you're already plugged into. Like you have a life like it's music, could be adventuring, could be hiking, could be doing whatever. And then you, you have all of these things that you do and you have friends that you do it with. What happens is if, if you get kidnapped, everything unplugs. Like, you don't do any of those things that you have a community with anymore. Now you're completely, um, consistently following this one person. That's where your community and these different hobbies and this church group and this fellowship and this uh, uh, team or whatever, that's where it keeps you safe because you've plugged into things that you love already that for you to unplug, you'd actually, it'd actually be very counter for you. It'd be hard for you to do that. Because while I'm so committed in all these other different areas, I can't, I can't just all of a sudden get kidnapped and start dating you. And that's where even for me, I had so much responsibility. I, was, I, I, had a, I broke up with her twice. But then the first time we prayed about it, and then she got it too. We like each other. We want to pursue each other. But she was still leading, and I was still leading a couple of things. And then the Lord told us both, you need to, you need to take a break. You need to get away from each other. Because now you can't handle the responsibilities you've had. Um, and the Lord told me, there will be a time where you have less responsibilities in the right way that you'll be able to pursue her. But if you, right now is not that time. 
if you start pursuing her right now, you're going to immaturely stop all of your responsibilities. And that's not the way I have the plan for you. And so she got the same thing from God. And then we actually broke up earlier because we couldn't focus on it. Yeah, but we had to actually have a defining the relationship. Yeah, so we had to define the relationship and go like, we can't continue this thing because I have too many responsibilities and it's premature right now. So both of us, it was the same thing for her. So it's the same thing for you. If you notice you start cutting every responsibility short, cutting your life short in all these different ways, that's a really clear flag. It's too much too fast. There shouldn't be anyone in your life that makes you break all of your other commitments and relationships. That already shows it's getting out of, out of, out of line already. All right, let's go for the last one. Uh, it's called like a support sandwich. You want to be able to be in, like you're in the middle and then you got support all around you, which is kind of like what I was talking about with counsel. Your friends and your brothers and your multi-generational leader, they'll be like your sandwich. You're covered with them, right? You're, you're surrounded by it, you're hugged by it, and you have a community. It's like when I came back to Claudia, I had to repent to like 20 people. Because so, there were so many people that supported her. And that's healthy. Because you, when you marry someone and you pursue somebody, you pursue their whole fellowship. You become part of their whole family. And that's just, if you pursue someone and they don't have that, that's actually a really bad sign. Because then they're, they're orphaned out. That, that hasn't been matured yet. So you want to make it so that when you guys start maturing and dating each other, you already have that fellowship that you're coming in together. If you're in the same fellowship, then obviously you're just making it public and doing all those things. Yeah, yeah like when Tommy and I started like courting and stuff, like he easily came and got plugged in into everything I was doing. Like I didn't like isolate myself and I was just always with Tommy. Like we probably, in, in our courtship, we probably had the most amazing times when we were with our friends. So we were like, I mean, he even recorded like his first album, like my best friend Elizabeth was like the singer in it. Just because we were always hanging out and when we started hanging out, they started singing together. Then eventually they recorded an album together. Like they're just so many, we will have so many double dates. We found other couples that were courting, dating or married couples that we will like spend quality time with, hang out, like, just, he was always part of everything that, or I was part of even Hope City sometimes when they allowed me to. Um, <laughs> but we were always like part of everything that we were doing, if that makes sense. Like we didn't like just isolate ourselves and they stopped doing everything we were doing. Like we didn't talk to our friends. Uh, one of my best friends, she got into a bad relationship and it was like actually really hard. Like she's actually married now and to an amazing godly man. But when she started dating this guy, we all felt like it just wasn't it, like just for a lot of reasons. And she just kept wanting to be with this guy. They isolated themselves from community, like they stopped kind of like doing their responsibilities on the base. They kind of stopped like hanging out with us. Like they were just always on their own. It got very unhealthy. And eventually they broke up and she was a mess. Like when I saw it, she was just like weeping and crying. And it's just, when you isolate yourself from community, it really becomes unhealthy. Like, it just keeps getting, like, like darker and darker and darker because it's not in the lights. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I'm sweating right now. So um, it's probably because I've been preaching for two hours. 
Um, what I want you to do is, um, why don't you guys just go in your groups or something like that real quick so you could process a bit. But I want, what I want you to focus on is, you could highlight it, you could underline it. What are, what are some of the things you want to focus on when it comes to relationships? Doesn't have to be like anything super, super specific, but it's like it could be something in character you want to work on. It could be something in focus you want to work on. It could be something in your single life you want to work on, or it could be like preferences or things like that that you want to maybe have God talk to you about and stuff like that. Yeah. Did you mention it? Not really. Oh, no. we heard, yeah, we heard someone say before, because a lot of us have like a spouse list of what we want in our spouse or our future spouse. And then uh, this guy said, if you have a list, you need to look at it and you need to become that list first. So you can't expect to put all these things on this other person. You're like, well, I want my future husband to be this, 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 that, but you're not even that at all. So you need to put that and say, am I even this? Am I even responsible? Am I this? So really look at yourself first because you probably won't get that type of guy or that type of girl if you're not even that. Yep. So any, any of these things too, if you feel like you don't have them or you feel like you, God's telling you to flip it on yourself too, then go ahead and do that. Honesty is the best way of doing anything, anything in life, whether you're good at it or you're growing in it. So um, let's just commit this time to God as you kind of process. So Lord, we just thank you for all of your wisdom, God. Father, I thank you that these are so many things that you've even taught me. And Lord, you gifted me with Claudia and Ariella. And Lord, we thank you that you're the father of all of us. And you have something for all of us. You have something to provide for all of us. You have wisdom in abundance. And God asks that you would reveal even more and more wisdom from your throne room and from your hand. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so go ahead and look at the list. Go ahead and stay in a place of prayer. And you could talk with each other if that helps you process, or you could just kind of be by yourself. But just look at it and go like, is there anything the Holy Spirit's telling me to highlight and telling me to focus on and just go ahead and, and let the Holy Spirit do a work.